Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Elizabeth Bowman. Elizabeth is VP of Client Strategy at December Labs, a high-touch design and development firm for mobile and web products that are at the front line of innovation. She drives December Labs expansion strategy and accompanies up-and-coming startups and enterprise companies towards scalable and continuous growth, making her a sought-out speaker from key industry events such as CES to deep dive workshops. With a 10 plus year leadership background in tech, digital marketing and international operations and a degree in economics from Bonn University, Germany, Elizabeth is a scrum trained trilingual cross-functional marketing executive with a passion for design thinking and integrating cutting edge technologies into human-centered and value-driven solutions. She has developed and led projects for iconic brands such as Mattel, NBC Universal, The Food Network, and NBA. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. I'm so happy to have you on. Hi, Jennifer. Well, really, really a pleasure here as well. <laughs> Great. So let's get started. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your career path in technology, just how you got to where you are today? Uh, sure. I think um, as it kind of happens with many people that work today today in tech, um, my path was definitely not straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, I would not say that I grew up um, thinking about being a technologist. I think I was not even really aware of that uh, career choice. Um, so uh, I did uh, start actually um, with a master's uh, in economics. And um, then pivoted to other areas before I actually, um, you know, got into tech. And while at first maybe that path might not seem as straightforward, I think it was still always, you know, that one thing led to the other. Mm -hmm. So um, when I was doing my master's of economics, my main focus was on behavioral economics, which is really kind of, you know, a niche area that focuses a lot on combining almost, you know, like psychological um, aspects to those economic models. And it is if you really think about it, it's kind of related to marketing in the sense of that uh, it uh, asks you actually to focus on uh, the actual people, you know, it just goes beyond um, the mere uh, traditional models. And so uh, my career path then kind of actually took me towards digital marketing. And uh, the fun thing there was um, that I really got the opportunity in my first few years there to work um, almost 100% for the music industry, which uh, for me being a musician was really uh, a very exciting uh, way of combining on the one hand, you know, some of my analytical thinking um, skills with really that creative uh, part um, uh, that I also really, you know, is just part of my DNA. Um, but uh, that said, you know, how, how did I then get into tech? Um, I mean, 
part of digital marketing, um, you know, are tech products or, you know, you mm -hmm. might um, be building landing pages or websites or things like that. And actually, um, in the in the early days of like, you know, 2010, 2011, um, Facebook apps, for example, um, were, you know, a great hype and we were building like 200, 300 in just like two years. So it was really, really, um, you know, something like these were actually, you know, tech products where you had developers and designers working on that. Um, and and th those those kind of products were always something that I really enjoyed working with. And then, you know, fast forward 10 years, I was at that time actually um, leading operations of that digital marketing agency, um, operations for all Latin America, working with our uh, Miami office. And um, I just felt that I wasn't really building something. I mean, when you work in marketing, um, you build brands, but, you know, it's not maybe something as substantial in a way. So, um, you know, I had been kind of flirting with the tech world for some time and um, really got lucky that, you know, I was there at kind of the, the right time, at the right place, um, and got to make that transition into technology and work today um, for a, a, a software company called December Labs. And, um, and yeah, and was really then again able to leverage that experience in marketing, you know, really consumer centric um, and uh, yeah, and also, you know, understanding who you're building these tech products for, which I believe today gives me, yeah, a really unique background there to be um, working in tech. I love that uh, journey that you took. Um, so yeah, definitely not straightforward, but a lot of experience to feed into what you're doing today, which I think is so important. And sometimes people think that they want to plan that entire journey and right. when it's not planned it's better sometimes you know yeah yeah, yeah definitely that's great. Yeah. that's great yeah because it also really yeah just um i think these kind of like almost natural um you know uh, like winding roads as far as career paths are just oftentimes a lot more interesting because it really, you know, allows you to go and, um, you know, have sneak peeks into different areas as well. So, for example, when I was working in digital marketing, um, I worked on the account side, on the creative side, on the business development side and on the operational side. And a lot of that, again, you know, like uh, uh, I can today leverage in what I do, but it's mm -hmm. not, you know, something that I that I planned for or, you know, if I would have planned for that, then maybe again, my career path would have been totally different. I, I agree. And the, you know, each part of the journey gives you such rich experience that you can tie that to the next thing. And exactly. I love that. I love that. So um, I know it was kind of accidental, but what was that little spark that said, I want to do technology? And did you do like digital marketing and see these apps and start working with them and then say, oh, I love the technology piece of it. <laughs> Or was there something else that sparked you to say, you know, I really want to do more of this because it inspires me? Um, I think there are really different, uh, different, you know, aspects to that. On the one hand, as I mentioned, you know, what 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 happens kind of with uh, digital marketing and social media is just, you know, oftentimes you're just talking, for example, about a social media post, and it's just something that has such a short lifespan in a way. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the attention span of someone actually looking at a post or consuming a video, but it's really um, hard sometimes to explain what the value of a specific creative piece is in that sense. I mean, mm -hmm. looking at marketing 
traditionally, you know, it was really easy to say, hey, here's a huge billboard and, uh, you know, there are going to be thousands of people uh, looking at that, uh, you know, during the day, during the week or whatever. But today with social media and digital marketing, there's still so much um, education um, to be done. And it's really, again, uh, and, and it's, it's really hard sometimes, but also you have to consume these kind of things on a daily basis if you are working in that field. And really, uh, I mean, I think we all, you know, look at our screen time on our on our cell phones and just realize sometimes that that's not really where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, kind of related to that, I did always really enjoy tech products. And I mean, uh, anything from tech gadgets, just, um, uh, you know, smart devices, um, but also, yeah, anything you know, that uh, that really helps you improve your life or certain processes, because, I mean, that's really what technology today is able to provide us with. Um, you know, oftentimes it's uh, just better or quicker or enhanced solutions to things that we have been doing for, uh, you know, quite some time. Um, so that was really something that intrigued me a lot. And again, you know, I was always someone that was really hands on. And uh, while I might, you know, not have gone into actually coding, um, I did, you know, like whenever it was of interest, for example, get more into HTML or uh, more on the design front, you know, getting really uh, t- taking some classes, getting educated in these kind of areas. And it was just something, yeah, that felt really natural to what, uh, yeah, my potential focus could be in the future. In addition, to being really um, a very a very growing and innovative space to be working in today, I believe. That's great. We have a lot in common. I, I also love gadgets, love computers, love <laughs> devices. <laughs> so, you know, I, I definitely can relate. Um, but then you said something that was very similar also, is that how do these technology devices solve problems. And when I look at that, that's what gets me really passionate, you know, because technology mm-hmm. is so different today than it was, you know, five years ago. And um, I mean, I remember in the old days still giving directions to somebody to come to my house, you know, <laughs> step <laughs> right. by step. <laughs> and, um, but it's, it's so fascinating. That's great. So now that you have the digital marketing side, and then now you're in tech and you're doing software, how does, how does design drive technology? Uh, Yeah, I think that is actually part of what my passion for technology really comes from. Um, I always say, you know, that if you think about how software products, websites and so on look like in the the 90s, the early 2000s, I mean, there was not really that much design involved. Um, And at that time, since it was still relatively new, I mean, there was not that big of a need. Um, But today, uh, really, there is quite a big challenge uh, as far as providing um, a competitive and appealing user experience, uh, which you call UX uh, today in software. And uh, it's almost surprising to me that it took, you know, quite some time to um, to get, uh, as you know, to, to software as far as kind of a hype. I mean, I was just looking at um, Google search results the other day, and I think the, the first spikes for user um, uh, experience research, for example, on Google search were like from 2014 or so, while in marketing, on the other hand, the user experience, the visuals, but also the path and how you build things and how you test things and validate them with users, you know, it's really nothing new. So um, it's really exciting for me in these oftentimes huge tech products and projects to be able to um, also 
add some of my personal experience there to the table uh, when it comes to the uh, user experience and really putting the user at the center of everything that you do. Because if you don't know who you're building something for, uh, then you might have to go back to the drawing table mm -hmm. and just make sure that you do find out. Yeah, that user experience is so critical. And I know, you know, both of us know that we've been to sites that are just does not have a great user experience and others is just like, wow, you just are engaged immediately, you know, and they make your life so much easier. I keep thinking of Amazon with the one click ordering. It's just it's crazy, but it's so easy, you know, <laughs> so no, and I buying yeah. more. <laughs> no, and that's that's a good point. But it's also something um, I mean, at December Labs, we work a lot uh, with startups. And so one thing that they have to be aware of is, for example, if you are, uh, you know, a startup that is about to develop a mobile app, those apps will be living on users' mobile phones right next to an Amazon app, right next to an Uber and Instagram. So the ladder is really high when it comes to user expectations. Mm -hmm. And that's also why we educate a lot on that initial focus on uh, what you call user experience research, UX research, um, that really puts, again, the user at the center of everything that you do, that um, asks you to validate any ideas that you make throughout that initial design phase. Because again, the, those are really high standards that users are going to hold you up uh, against today. And um, and this is not something that is limited to enterprises and Fortune 500 companies. Uh, there are many different ways um, how startups can leverage today different UX tactics that uh, are quick, that are fast, and that really help them you know, get it right from or as right as possible from the very start. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, the, the bar is really set high and, you know, many don't really meet that. And now we're kind of spoiled. I mean, I know when my Amazon package is going to be here. I know when it's going to be delivered. I know when it's here already. I know when it's coming. And when I order something the other day, I ordered something for from Nike and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, okay, where's my package? You're used to that. <laughs> you know, I mean, they did a good job too, but it just wasn't the same as every step of the way to tell me where that package was. I had to wonder. And with Amazon, right. I just don't wonder, you know, so very true. Right. Very and on the other hand, um, that kind of misleads, on the other hand, startups sometimes to uh, come to us and say, hey, I want something that combines Instagram mm -hmm. and Uber and YouTube and, uh, you know, and, uh, and fitness, wearable tracking, whatever, all in one app. And you sometimes have to pause there and say, hey, you, you are aware that these companies have probably spent millions of dollars oh, yeah. in building those experiences. So first of all, it's not that easy. Second of all, don't reinvent the wheel, but, uh, wheel, but really think about what your core idea is that will be different from what's already mm -hmm. out there. And sometimes, I mean, it's not just um, about coming up with something totally new, but it is, you know, something, uh, you know, just taking a small piece out of some of these existing experience and say, hey, I just want to improve this and see if that works. And then I can still build onto that. But that's really one of the things when it comes to tech in general that I always advise on, which is start small, start and work in phases and validate always, you know, throughout the entire process. Because again, uh, what is already out there is uh, amazing oftentimes, uh, but also, uh, yeah, uh, just sets the bar really high, as you said. Yeah, no, that's great, 
great guidance um, that, you know, you can't be everything to everyone either. And those right. apps have taken millions of dollars and, and a long time to get to that point. Exactly. So, yeah, so time also is is of the essence. Um, so now you've you've moved in your journey into lots of different um, areas and industries. Do you feel women have the same opportunities as men in the tech world? So when you came into tech, um, what are you seeing in your world about you know women and men having the same opportunities? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think that uh, you have to differentiate between what the kind of situation or the landscape is today and what it could or what it can potentially be in the near or um, you know a little bit further ahead future today i do see that uh, tech is uh, still very male heavy uh, mm -hmm. and i think there are many different reasons for that on the one hand uh, again i think if you go back 10 20 30 uh, 40 years ago it's just something anything that was technology driven is just something that you were you know uh, giving to boys that you asked boys to play around with um mm -hmm. well with girls that was just not the case like i think girls really had to um you know look uh, for themselves to you know get into some of these areas um, on the other hand, I do believe or see a lot of uh, in the environment that um, that many boys also got uh, sooner into tech because, for example, they were um, heavy gamers and they're just kind of the transition of mm -hmm. starting out, you know, when you're young of, you know, playing video games all day and then wanting to continue to work with a computer and starting to code um, was just maybe a, a more straightforward path. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that said, I think really the uh, the interesting thing is that today there is uh, a big change in that sense. On the one hand, I see many programs and many incentives of uh, getting more women into IT. Uh, in our case, for example, on a local level, um, there are initiatives that are called, for example, Techie for a Day, where we go into um, you know and invite uh, girls from uh, from schools to go to come into our offices and actually talk to women that are working today in IT to get mm -hmm. really an understanding of the opportunities that are in there. Um, and the other, I think, interesting thing is there that when, uh, you know, again, when I was a little girl and I was thinking about tech, I was just thinking about programming. But today, that field of technology is so much broader. I mean, you have, again, UX, UI design, you have QA, you know, quality assurance analysts, you have scrum masters, you have project managers, you have people, you know, working more on the consultancy side. There are so many other areas that just go beyond the simple coding, which, again, I mean, uh, girls, I think, are also, you know, can also be great at coding. Um, but again, there are other fields that are also very interesting uh, and that uh, I think people are just getting more aware of for example specifically in the ux research field that i um, mentioned earlier there are so many people that come from other areas actually you might have yes people that actually study design but also psychologists researchers i actually have some fellow uh, economists you know from back in the days when i was doing my masters that today work in ux research because it just, you know, like it's very welcome to have different types of skill sets. Um, we actually just had a, a team meeting this morning and we are currently hiring for those uh, UX research positions. And uh, our, our, you know, design lead actually said, you know, like if, if anyone from our team knows people that come from other areas, you know, as far as research, as far as psychology, as far as, you know, that, that can just bring in, in different types of skill sets, that's actually what we're looking for. 
more than just people you know that might have studied communications or marketing. Um, so these areas, I think, are just very interesting also to consider when you're getting into tech. Because lastly, one very important thing is that um, tech actually today provides you with a lot of opportunities that are attractive in general, but I think especially also to women. Um, you know, you have oftentimes very flexible work conditions. Uh, sometimes I even see, you know, women that might be in their 20s and their 30s uh, that are up to a career change. And there are many possibilities because also many soft skills that I personally would see women sometimes better equipped for as far as, you know, managing projects, really being very detailed oriented and so on. There, there, there are many areas where, again, you don't have to have studied, uh, you know, coding or have to be an engineer um, and still are able to find your place kind of in the tech space. That's that's great, great. There's so many things you said there that it just, you know, <laughs> I want to talk about. One is I love the techie for a day where you're bringing girls in and showing them a day in the life. And if they see other women in that role, they yeah. can imagine themselves in a role like that, which is so important. You know, they, they yeah. need to have more of that. I love that. And I love the diversity for, um, you know, for the UX piece to look at not just marketing people or communications people, but psychologists, economists, um, mm -hmm. research, you know, it really shows that you're bringing diversity into your team um, because these different job roles have different thought processes and exactly. it can only complement what you're doing, you know, with the communications and the marketing roles. I just, that is just amazing. I think, you know, a lot of really good things said there. I totally, totally believe, and we say this in many of our podcasts, is that tech is not just coding. It's exactly. so much more than coding. There's so many other pieces. And women have such great qualities that they can bring to the table, you know, empathy, collaboration, attention to detail. You know, there's just so much they can bring to the table to do really well in this industry. So you touched exactly. on so many great things. Really, really great. Stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. Help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. So now as a woman yourself, have you, does a challenge come to mind um, as you were in the tech industry or entering the tech industry? And then how did you overcome that challenge? Mm -hmm. um, given that I came from marketing where uh, the distribution between women and men is typically a little bit more equal, depending on the areas, of course. Um, but still, uh, you know, getting into tech, I did, of course, see that the current situation there is a little bit different. There are, you know, while I'm proud to say that at December Labs, we have about 25% uh, women today as part of the company, which is, uh, I believe, over average in, 
in, on, mm-hmm. in all senses. Um, still, there is, uh, you know, it is a male-heavy uh, industry. And I think, especially in the beginning, um, it required some adjustments from my end as far as communication, for example, because men do oftentimes communicate differently, in my experience. Um, uh, you know, where sometimes as a woman, and I don't want to stereotype anything here, but it's just my personal experience, um, you know, you might... Uh, be more unsure sometimes about some of the things that you communicate or the way that you communicate them while men are just a little bit more practical sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and I think yeah just you know kind of taking a step back and observing also how that environment works and then kind of getting back into it and looking at what can I bring to the table and where is that a good thing and where do I have to adjust a little bit in order to find my way and get things done um i think those that's i think the almost only area where i would say um and i wouldn't i wouldn't even go as far as calling it a challenge but yes an adjustment or just Mm -hmm. something also that i found very interesting um as far as you know observing how these how these kind of dynamics work um Mm -hmm. but again uh, i think we are very lucky of having a pretty well distributed team um, and uh, again, that's also something that the company is uh, actively promoting. For example, we just um, uh, hired a new, um, you know, lead of the finance area, and I believe we had nine people um, that were being interviewed: uh, eight guys and one woman. And actually, the woman made it, but it was because Ooh. of the skill set. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. But it was because of the skill set and everything. And so I think, I mean, the company will always go towards. Um, you know, really finding the best people for the right um, positions. Um, But there is not at all, you know, a strategy of, hey, you know, this is kind of, uh, you know, a a male environment, let's keep it that way. But Mm -hmm. they're very open of just, you know, finding the best people. And oftentimes those are women. Yeah, that's, we've done that so much. I -hmm. never think about, you know, male or female when I'm hiring, um, but always the best person for the job. And, um, and, you know, we've, we've been pretty even over the years, but sometimes I think the awareness, uh, if you're looking for different perspectives, like you said, you know, if you're, you know, you say, okay, let's look for a psychologist or an economist, you know, something like that, you start searching in different places, right? So it's really interesting. I love that dynamic. And I think, you know, what you said earlier on the challenge, it's not really a challenge, but confidence is one area that, you know, we, we continuously want to coach women on and say, you know, have more confidence, come, come out stronger out of the gate only because we question ourselves. We have negative Nancy in our head, you know, right. (laughs) Um, Not being that apologetic sometimes. And and also, But but again, I feel that it's always uh, almost for me personally, almost an advantage in the sense of, you know, like looking at some of my male counterparts and how some of the things they just take with more ease. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's actually something that, uh, yeah, has has helped me on a professional level. And then on the other hand, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And then on the other hand. I oftentimes come in with more empathy or, um, you know, with uh, other kind of soft skills that Mm -hmm. they might be able to learn from. And again, I think 
I'm in a very I'm in a very lucky position um, that, in particular, December Labs has been in the past few years very active in hiring also women for uh, management positions. Because mm -hmm. I mean, of course, overall, um, you know, we know that in operational areas or in HR or design, you know, women are typically um, a little over more overrepresented. Um, but also in leadership positions, we are actively, you know, I mean, well, in my case, I'm I'm very grateful that for for my position and I'm the VP of client strategy, um, the company, you know, that was founded by four men trusted a female, um, you know, to be uh, to take over this role. So, um, so yeah, I think it really goes both ways in that sense. That's great. I'm, I'm loving the culture December Labs is creating within your company because it's really very focused on diversity, inclusion, skill set, you know, different perspectives, all of those things are great. Um, so, you know, you, you work in the wearable ecosystem. Tell me more about that and how do wearables and smart devices connect? You know, I, I don't know much about that area, so I, I'd love to learn more. Well, I mean, we did, uh, you know, we did touch base uh, a little earlier on, on, you know, gadgets and smart mm -hmm. devices. And again, I think that was something that I was just already passionate about, you know, for a long time, uh, because I just really enjoy taking day to day objects that you use for certain things and see, you know, how today a, a smoke detector, a detector that is smart can tell you, uh, you know, that your house is on fire while you're not at home because mm -hmm. typically it would just sound right where mm -hmm. it was, but that might not have helped you, you know, if you were not at your house. So, um, you know, these, these, these kind of things, I think, are really taking just the usage of any product um, so much further. And uh, one of the really most important parts of wearables or smart devices um, is actually the mobile app. Because if you think about it, um, typically when, you know, with any kind of smart device, uh, you have to activate it initially with a mobile app. You then, uh, you know, uh, um, look, uh, work on the settings, you set it up through the mobile app. Mm -hmm. um, you then have ongoing usage as far as reporting, does it work well, you know, and additional features all on the mobile app. And that said, it really shows how important the mobile app is uh, for that ecosystem. And um, I talk a lot to founders and entrepreneurs uh, in the wearable and smart device spaces. That's something where we are very strong at, where we have a lot of portfolio. And uh, I was actually um, so lucky to, uh, to speak at uh, CES early last year um, at the Wearable Tech Summit about that wearable uh, ecosystem just right, I think, two months before the pandemic hit. So mm -hmm. that was uh, that. That, that, that was, is in. <laughs> I know. I know. That was, uh, yeah, quite, quite amazing still if you look back at it. Um, but so. So I have to educate a lot on, uh, you know, these entrepreneurs and founders and really taking under consideration what kind of role their mobile app um, has to play because they are often just very product focused and that's mm -hmm. okay. I mean, I do understand that. But if you don't consider the entire ecosystem, um, you know, you might not really be able to solve for uh, for a good user experience because the, the overall user experience will always be as good as the weakest link. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, if the mobile app is a lot weaker than the actual product, that will reflect badly on the product. Or, for example, oftentimes when you are in the middle of a purchase decision, you will probably Google, you know, whatever you're trying to purchase, okay. you know, a Fitbit, a smartwatch, whatever. And one of the first results, were, uh, you know, that will come up are typically um, app stores, uh, app store links, you know, for those devices. And if the ratings there are really bad, 
then that might already give you an idea of, hey, that product might not be as well, um, you know, worked or well done because, you know, if I can't make it work with the app, then I might, you know, might not want to purchase it. So um, the app really, inf you know, influences anything from purchasing behavior, um, ongoing satisfaction and so on. Um, but it's also... Uh, very challenging sometimes to make sure that it actually does work well because when you have a smart device, a wearable, um, there there's typically a Bluetooth connection um, through which uh, you steer, uh, you know, the fu the different functionalities, and you do have to know what kind of limitations there are, um, how to set that up correctly, um, in order again to make this work. So uh, so yeah, as as I really like looking at this from a consumer point of view. Um, I have, I, I feel that I've been very fortunate to be working with so many great companies again, you know, uh, in this space, anything from Biostrap, for example, which is a kind of a prosumer Fitbit, um, for, uh, for athletes, um, up to, for example, Ellie Greed is, uh, an Austin based, uh, no Houston based, um, startup that is a smart pill box that, you know, helps especially elderly people, but also, you know, other people that might have chronic diseases to mm -hmm. just, you know, remember taking their medication, but you might also be able to send notifications to your grandson who might want to be checking if his grandma is actually taking her pills. Wow. So again, going back to that initial thought of how can these tech products improve your life and um, and also you know prevent some of those pitfalls that non-smart products um, you know might have, I think it's just really amazing. That's great. You you connected some things for me that I'd never really thought about that you know. Um, the IoT world um, <laughs> and connecting mobile apps to every, you know, wearable. You know, I yep. think my my watch has a mobile app. You know, um, mm -hmm. I just got this um, fragrance um, dispenser that you yeah. plug in and you control from your mobile app, and it's just so cool. I mean, it's just like like you said that smoke detector. You know, the old days with sound, you have to be in the house to hear it. Now you could be anywhere and know that there's danger, you know, that you need to take care of it. And I think that's exactly. so amazing. So amazing. So do you, uh, when a company comes to you to create um, a mobile app, uh, do you kind of start at the strategy? Do you start, do you guide them through the whole process or is it just development? And then do they need to come with some information? I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. um, each path and each um, potential, uh, you know, partner of ours, of course, is, is, in, a, is in a different moment of their um, design mm -hmm. or development or product process. And we basically adapt to, um, you know, whatever is needed there. Um, sometimes we have people that already have, you know, kind of their initial funding set up, but they really need to build everything from scratch. So mm -hmm. in that case, we oftentimes collaborate on the on the research and um, look at if they have potential users that we might um, be able to use for preliminary user testing. Um, we really build out the overall design interface in different phases with, again, validation and up to a clickable prototype, which mm -hmm. is actually a great tool um, today that you can use where you kind of, you know, um, plug into those uh, plug in those different screens that you design into different tools such as Axure, for example, and then you're able to click through them um, just as if they were already a, fin a finished app or software mm -hmm. or web platform. Yes. 
Um, so, and that oftentimes helps not just with user validation because you can actually show that to a potential user and they might be able to tell you, hey, this is not intuitive. This button here doesn't make any sense like where it is. Um, but on the other hand, it can also help you, um, for example, uh, in obtaining more investments because any investor will like to get an idea as possible, you know, as detailed as possible of what you're trying to build. And mm -hmm. if you're able to show this in, you know, visually appealing and, um, you know, uh, finalized um, um, process kind of that that is really helpful and we've oftentimes seen that um, clients of ours have been able to secure more funding with those prototypes um, that said uh, you know we then of course also I mean you know software development custom software development for mobile and web is our core um, so of course we oftentimes build MVPs which are minimal viable minimum viable products which is kind of what you start out with um, but we also take over existing tech projects. So, uh, you know, oftentimes it happens that people come to us and they have built something uh, with a different firm initially and might not be happy for ABC and might, might want to, you know, make a switch. And mm -hmm. then we analyze if we can take that over. Sometimes we also have clients with existing uh, development teams, or engineering teams, design teams, marketing teams. And then we kind of work in a more, you know, like almost staff augmentation model, although I don't really like like the terminology because mm -hmm. um, we always try to bring a lot more to the table than just that. But I mean, at the end of the day, basically, yes, it is, um, you know, scaling up their teams um, with uh, with our resources and professionals. So, so yeah, it really depends on the moment of their journey that they're in. And also, uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, I might be a better person to speak um, to them because of my background, but sometimes when it's someone, you know, that wants to speak with someone uh, that is actually an engineer, um, you know, I bring those people to the table. So it's okay. really custom as far as that initial approach so that you really get the best guidance that you can in making the decision, if it's working with us or with anyone else. But really, I believe a lot of uh, a lot in transparency in the tech world, um, because, again, that's something that I do feel sometimes is missing. That's great. Um... It, so you can do, you know, from the beginning of the project, anywhere mm -hmm. in the middle, you know, work alongside their teams. You can do pretty much anything. That's great. Uh, depends on where the customer is in their journey. So how do you keep your technology skills current? That's always a challenge because <laughs> in this dynamic world and now with the cloud, everything's changing on a moment's basis. What do you do to keep your technology skills current? Yes, uh, I again, have to say that I'm very lucky to be able to speak to different entrepreneurs and innovators in the space on a daily basis. So really, okay. that is my first and foremost, um, uh, yeah, just source of new information. And that's also what I love so much about working with startups, because that's really, yeah, where the innovation happens, where, um, you know, the new ideas are coming up. And that also pushes us all the time to investigating newer and better ways of solving certain technical project uh, problems and, um, and challenges. Um, that said, since I also work a lot with, um, you know, clients more on the enterprise side, um, that show that that gives me kind of the other part of that innovation you know of companies that um, have already gone through that process and that really have the bandwidth um, to you know uh, work on new challenging and exciting projects on a different level um, in addition to that 
uh, at December Labs internally, um, we are very, very heavy on internal workshops on really having also our team um, share their experiences from working on those different projects that they uh, are working on. Because, I mean, we are a little over 80 people. So we have many people that um, work, you know, on very many different projects. And just this morning, as I mentioned, you know, we had this um, team call, which we have once a month. And uh, we always have some of our engineers or designers um, actually share some of the work that they've been doing. So this morning, for example, we were um, talking about uh, a Swiss startups that we're working with um, that has a, a very, very innovative chatbot as part of the mobile app. So um, our one of our mobile developers from that project was actually doing a demo on that. And they were showing us, um, you know, on the one hand, from an architectural level, how that was built, what the challenges were, but we were also able to see the final end product mm -hmm. so that i think is really again you know like a very um very nice way of also um yeah maintaining the team integrated especially in these times of pandemic um and then last but not least i mean i do subscribe to certain newsletters or to certain companies um you know that are of interest for me uh listen a lot to podcasts and just you know, try as far as my personal media consumption to really have this targeted also at the topics that uh, interest me the most. That's perfect. And I love the learning by doing because that's the best way to learn. You know, yeah. when you're actually <laughs> doing it, that's that's how you 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 learn the best. And, and when you're teaching is also another way to learn. So I think yeah. you hit on those as well. Um, so what three words would your friends use to describe you? That is a tough one. <laughs> um, just three. <laughs> just three. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think one one of the things that people would definitely say about me or my friends um, would be that I'm very like kind of transparent and responsible in a way. Uh, mm -hmm. Meaning that uh, on the one hand in my work, but also my daily life, I really like to empower people about... Um, yeah, kind of, you know, being able to make their own decisions or learning about, uh, you know, different areas. So as I as I just, you know, quickly hinted on in the tech world, I oftentimes see, you know, that there is not that much transparency. I do see a lot of black sheep. I do, you know, see a lot of companies that have had bad experiences. Mm -hmm. And again, I know that there are many, many development companies out there um, and we might not be the perfect fit for each one of them. But I do take my job very seriously as far as being very transparent as far as what we can do, what I can do, what we have done and what works and what doesn't work. So I think transparency in, in any part of my life, I think, is mm -hmm. uh, something very important. Um, then, secondly, I would say um, that I have a lot of empathy in general. Um, and this is, you know, with my friends that I think are always saying that I'm a very good listener, but um, also my professional life. Um, and, you know, especially with that marketing background, um, really listening to people and um, trying to put myself in their shoes, I think is what oftentimes resonates, um, especially, you know, with people that are a little bit lost or that just don't know exactly what's the, what's the right path for them. So, um, yeah, I think that would be number two. And um, number three, I would have to say that, uh, you know, really going back to our, you know, to the very beginning of our conversation, um, as I said, I am a musician, have been a musician all my life. And so I believe cre creativity um, 
is definitely something that I try that that people also oftentimes tell me that I kind of bring to the table when it comes to, um, you know, coming up with creative ideas, creative ways of, um, you know, getting the word out about some of the things that we do, just create, you know, being creative and kind of, you know, the daily way of managing anything. I think it's kind of my my outlet, um, you know, to just not have things get boring. Um, so yeah, I think tra transparency, empathy, and creativity, um, at a high level. <laughs> That's great. No, those are I great. And I would areas. add brilliant because, <laughs> uh, you've been, I just really, really enjoyed our conversation and just, you know, uh, think you're brilliant. So we can add that to your list. <laughs> thanks so much. No, I mean, this is really, and maybe just to add to the creativity, I am really passionate about what I do. And I think that's really the only way that you should, go, try, you know, go through life and your professional life, especially. I mean, you have to be passionate about what you do. And if you're not passionate about something, then you have to make a change. And that's what I did. And that's, again, what I think, you know, anyone can consider doing at certain points in their life. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy that the spark, uh, yeah, jumped over there. And, uh, yeah, um, it was really a pleasure also speaking with you here on this. No, that's great. Um, and passion, I, I feel passion is such a critical piece. And if you have so much passion for what you do, doesn't feel like work. Doesn't exactly. feel like work at all. So Elizabeth, this was such a pleasure, such an honor to have you on my show. Thank you so much. And just in closing, what, what advice would you give to a woman that's looking for a career in tech? Um, again, uh, I think tech is definitely something that I would recommend to anyone to consider, um, you know, without um, really just looking at their background and current skill sets. But there are many things or there are many ways that you can add value to the tech space. Um, so maybe just get informed, as I mentioned, you know, about that entire ecosystem and all those different roles that go beyond just coding. Take a look at what that means. Take a look at what a scrum master is, um, what kind of skill set you might need there or what a product manager or project manager, um, you know, might uh, might be able to add to a project. Um, yeah, and, 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 and try and get creative about this, you know, really try out different apps, different software platforms, um, and get an idea of, you know, really the, 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 the differences and the challenges and the exciting things that this uh, space provides you with. And, um, and yeah, and then hopefully, uh, you'll be soon a new addition to the team. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Jump in with both feet, investigate, explore. Yeah. And find your passion in tech. I love that. So in closing again, what uh, what's the best way of people to get a hold of you? Um, I always say, you know, especially now with the pandemic, I'm really big on uh, having virtual coffees. So uh -huh. <laughs> feel free to, um, you know, uh, reach out either via LinkedIn, Elizabeth Bowman, um, or uh, at Elizabeth at DecemberLabs.com. I'd be happy to chat and just strategize about, you know, whatever you might have on your mind. Um, but also feel free to check out our website, um, DecemberLabs.com, um, and also part in particular our blog, um, which we... Um, are adding a lot of content that really goes beneath the umbrella um, of uh, democratizing knowledge, which again, you know, I'm really big on as far as just 
um, yeah, uh, you know, discovering some of those myths within the tech space, really discussing, you know, is uh, native uh, app development better than hybrid development or vice versa? You know, what are the different challenges and choices that you might have to make? Because for me, actually, it's so much easier when I speak to someone that has already done their research, um, you know, and, and that uh, then, then, then if I have to explain everything from scratch, which of course I also like to do. But again, you know, I think there's just a lot of different tools there that might be um, yeah, just a good thought starter for anyone um, who is looking to um, yeah uh, be working with uh, design and software development. Nice, nice. Definitely will check out your blog. Thank you again. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show and I hope to have you on the show again soon. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Great questions and I love what you're doing in the space. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.